some guys. Let's take a seat. We can do more of that at 11.30 with a nice bucket of coffee at the same time. Um, Robert, welcome on up, mate. Thanks for preaching this morning. And I'd love to just pray for Robert before we get into it. Father, thank you so much for Robert. Thank you for the time he puts in in the seen and the unseen. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill him now. And you would also fill us, Lord. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And help us to really um, notice where you are nudging us, where you are gently speaking to us as well as we look at your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Real sense of God's presence here this morning. I really believe that God's going to do some special things in us and through us today. And uh, this morning, we're doing the third in the series we've been doing on gazing at the beauty of Christ, at the beauty of Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus, he's the, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb of God that was slain for us. In Revelation, he's described as having eyes of fire, a voice like rushing waters. His face is the radiance of the, of the sun. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's there at the start and he'll be there at the end. He's the one who uh, saves us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who provides for us. <laughs> I just thought there might be a little bit more excitement about who this God is. And this morning, what I'd like us to consider and look at is three views of Jesus that will change our lives. And as we do that, we're going to um, uh, be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up to there, or if you, if you have your apps and you, can, and you can go to there for now, and we'll be getting into that in a minute. First of all, a story. So uh, most of you know that I, I love going to the Hamner Leaders Retreat each year that it's on, and I've been doing that for a long time now. I've only ever missed one, the very first one. And one of the things I love doing there is ministering to people, and it's just so powerful how God seems to work through people in the area of ministry, and people are set free and touched uh, in powerful ways by God. A number of years ago, uh, uh, I went up to a uh, Baptist pastor who was changing roles. And this is how it often works for me, is, is I don't actually get anything until I get there. <laughs> I have a sense that God's got a word for someone, and uh, so I take a step of faith to go there, and, and normally what I have to do is start saying, Holy Spirit, come, and just wait to see what he's got to say, because I haven't got anything. And then as, as I was uh, ministering to this, this guy, uh, I felt God, or the Spirit, just remind me of these verses in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus uh, said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I started uh, uh, prophesying to, the, to this gentleman that God wanted me to remind him that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And as he steps into the new role, 
whenever he finds that his yoke is getting um, hard and the burden is getting heavy, uh, God wanted him to know that's because something is out of a line with Jesus. And that whatever is out of a line needs to be put back in alignment. And I thought, I've never thought of that before. That was as much revelation to me because it was the Holy Spirit speaking through me as it was uh, a word for the, for the guy I was ministering to. And I thought, I'm going to take that for myself. And we'll get back to that a little bit later on. But in the world system, our well-being is determined by our circumstances so often. But in God's kingdom, our well-being is determined by Jesus. And understanding the impact Jesus has on our well-being, on our maturity, and on our journey through life is one of the reasons keeping our eyes on Jesus is our fourth, fourth theme for this year. You see, keeping our eyes on Jesus transforms the boat image we've been using, which is the Word of God is the hull, a solid foundation that we can gather together in as a community and be empowered by the Holy Spirit in our sails and keeping our eyes on Jesus to determine where we're going and how we're getting there. And keeping our eyes on Jesus shifts us from a self-centered approach to life to a life of power, purity, and perspective in God's kingdom. Is that good? Okay, so hopefully you've all got Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to read the first few verses from here for now. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And that pioneer means the uh, if you go to the Greek, the word pioneer means uh, the beginning, the start, the one who starts, the one who begins our faith journey. And the perfecter of our faith, and the, again in the Greek there, that means the one who completes, the one who makes mature, finishes our faith journey. And it goes on and says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I think there's a tendency amongst perhaps Western Christians today to believe that if we're following Jesus, our circumstances should get better and better and life should get easier. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with us. However, I don't think the Bible paints a picture like that. And you know, in the text that we're working through today, it clearly outlines, as we're going to discover, that life isn't always easy. That we all go through difficult times, and in fact, difficult circumstances are normal. And that they're even required for our development as mature believers in Christ. Do you agree? Yeah. But what the Bible does teach 
is that our circumstances don't need to, to, don't need to determine who we are or how we are. In fact, on several occasions, my paraphrase, Jesus said things like, don't let your, your circumstances make you anxious. You see, we're so much more than our circumstances. And sometimes our circumstances are to be overcome. And sometimes they're to be gone through. And whether we overcome or work our way through situations in our lives, in all these things, Christ is at work in us, bringing us to maturity. And it's Jesus who starts and ends our faith journey. And it's all in him. So as, as, we, want to, uh, as we want to shortly open up these verses that we've read, it's really helpful to see where they've been placed in the Bible because that puts a real context to these verses. And it's interesting. Uh, when it starts, it says, Therefore... And of course, we want to see what it's there for. It says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, the great cloud of witnesses that it's talking about are the heroes of faith in chapter 11. And it's really interesting to look at these heroes of faith. It says, now, if we look at chapter 11, it starts, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Assurance about what we do not see. Now, when you're going through difficult circumstances, you might not see the end. And yet, this is what the ancients were commended for, the heroes of faith. They were commended that they kept their faith even though they couldn't see the future. If we jump down to uh, verse 8... By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city without, uh, the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking to eternity. Now, the Revelation describes the city of God that comes down in the, in the new age to come. Abraham was looking to that. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, and we've all left the country of our old life to follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And uh, you know, when we think about Moses a little bit later on, it says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. 
as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he is looking ahead to his reward. And at the end of chapter 11, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. All these heroes of faith, they didn't experience God's promise, but they kept faith anyway. They moved forward into the future that God had for them. They followed what God asked them to do because they knew that there was a better future ahead for mankind. And you may not, it was interesting, in the prayer meeting this morning, John Scott had a, had a uh, word about captain of the ship, and he said there's captains who can sort of see where the ship's going, and, and there's other people who might be just there cleaning the rust off the ship. Sometimes we're cleaning the rust of the ship and we can't see what the future holds, but we still can keep our eyes on the captain of the ship and know that he's got a future for us. It's then worth considering what comes after these verses in, in, at the start of chapter 12, and it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have... And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord's discipline, the one, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. And the word discipline here in the Greek gives you the image not of uh, someone beating a father beating their son because they, he's waiting for them to do something wrong. It gives you the image of more like a coach training an athlete to be better or a tradesman teaching his apprentice how to become skilled. It's, it's that type of discipline where we get discipleship from. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness." And he's talking about the circumstances of life, how he uses these to discipline us. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Are you on board, church? And within the verses that we're considering this morning, the Hebrews 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such great, a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There is a central point in these verses that helps to make sense of chapter 11 and chapter 12 on how we're actually to journey through life and not let circumstances uh, cause us to crumble under the pressure. And it is simply this. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Very simple. But what does that actually mean? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus? What does it actually look like? And within these verses again, there are three hints or views of Jesus that we can look at that will help us to actually journey through this life that we have. The first one is the Jesus of the Gospels. We can look at the Jesus of the Gospels and, and, and view him to help us through life. And it says, consider him who endured such opposi opposition from sinners. And it was talking about when Jesus walked on the planet, the Jesus of the Gospels. And then there's the Jesus of the cross. And it says in these verses, he endured the cross. We can look at the Jesus of the cross. And then there's the Jesus of eternity. It says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and we can look at the Jesus of eternity. And each view will help us to journey through life in a new way. Should we consider these views? Let's start with the Jesus of the Gospels. Now, we find out how Jesus lived when we look at the Gospels, and and. Like me, you have probably often heard the term WWJD. When we're trying to make decisions about what we should do, what would Jesus do? Now, and I don't think we realize what we're saying when we say that. For start, secular society says it endorses the value of all religions and assumes that, Christ, that Christianity can be lumped with that and thinks it means being kind, considerate, accepting, and tolerant, and loving. I actually wonder if they've read the Gospels. But, but even as Christians, when we think of the term, what would Jesus do? I think we actually mean, well, sometimes I think we actually mean, providing we can miss out all the bits that are uncomfortable for us. Think about it. If we we're going to do what Jesus did, as we read it in the Gospels, every time we see a sick person, we'd go and heal them. When we come up with people who are religious and hypocritical, we would confront them. When we come up with people who are really caught in sin, prostitution, gang members, murderers, we'd go and make friends with them. That's what Jesus did. But, I don't actually believe that keeping their eyes on the Jesus of the gospel is so much about asking the question, what would Jesus do? Because I think there's actually a subtle trap in that that we can fall into. And that's the, that trap is that we actually start striving in our own efforts to live like Jesus. 
And that is always going to be doomed to failure when we try to do it in our own strength and our own efforts. I think we can reword the question this way and ask, how did Jesus live? I think that's a far better question to be asking as we look at the Jesus of the Gospels. And the answer is simple. Jesus lived empowered by the Holy Spirit, first of all. And he lived doing what he saw the Father doing, secondly. And he lived enduring opposition to the good news of the kingdom, thirdly. That's how he lived. Everything else flowed out of that. And then... And if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can do the same. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the Gospels, in fact, will compel us to do the same as we grow in maturity. Healing the sick is one of those things that we can do. But three short stories. I was at the mall yesterday grabbing a cup of coffee and going and getting some stuff for the supermarket. And as I was sitting there thinking, Jesus, is there anyone that you want me to actually go and approach and minister to? As I was sitting there drinking the coffee and I was watching all these people go past and nothing presented itself. I went into the supermarket to buy some groceries. And as I was doing that, there was a lady with one of these boots all on her foot like that. And I thought, oh, she's injured. Now, there may be a point in my faith journey where I I, I get confident enough to be able to approach anyone and everyone who's obviously hurt or in pain um, to go up and say, look, would you like Jesus to heal you? That was not that moment. (laughs) I didn't feel any sense from the Holy Spirit to go and approach it. All I was feeling was my own internal thinking, oh, she's she's obviously someone who's in, in pain. And maybe God will respond to that if I had gone and approached her. But if you're feeling that at the moment pressure that you need to approach anyone and everyone who's sick and, and um, needs healing uh, to go and pray for them, we need to be empowered and led by the Spirit. Remember, it was our last series that we talked about. However, uh, two weekends ago, we were down in Wanaka, Denise and I, for a friend of ours, 50th, birthday party, they, they were our neighbours, they shifted down there, we've, we've kept really good friendship with them and she was 50, they're a dance family, they, um, she loves dance, her son competes at a national level, uh, while we were there on the dance floor he'd be doing backflips and some of the dancers, so we went and saw him at one competition and be doing one handed handstand waving out at the audience while he was doing it, he's pretty impressive in how he how he dances. We did a uh, surprise flash mob for her that we'd all been practicing in her own space. It was a a cool night. Now, apart from the family there, I didn't really know anyone else. Denise remembers people way better than me, so she was able to have conversations with people. Fortunately, I don't have too much of a problem with going up and striking up conversations with strangers. So there's a, we get there, we say our hellos to our friends, and then we sort of, they have to go off and talk to the next lot of people that are arriving. And I see a guy standing there on his own, so I go up to him and start chatting with him, and, and uh, fairly quickly with asking empowering questions, I had him opening up about his life and discovered that he was 
diagnosed with bowel cancer just a few months ago and was undergoing chemotherapy at that point in time and, and struggled with energy at these things. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me at that point saying, pray for his healing. I looked around. I thought, hmm, what will people think? And what will happen if nothing happens? I took my eyes off Jesus onto the circumstances and I didn't do anything. And I th afterwards, uh, you know, we finished our conversation and went on to different people. And afterwards, I was thinking, you know, that was someone who needed a touch from Jesus, who needed healing. And if not there, where was he going to find it? And if not then, when? And if not by me, who? And I dropped the ball, friends. Fortunately, I don't always drop the ball. <laughs> um, the, uh, again, a few weeks ago, one of my staff, she has been complaining of a sore foot. She loves exercising, and for about two weeks, she hadn't been able to do anything, but she was actually in really bad pain with her foot. Uh, so the Monday after we'd had John Ferguson here, I, I said to her, oh, would you like me to pray for healing for your foot? She said, yeah, why not? not a Christian, she, I don't even know if she's ever been to church, but she knows I'm a, I'm a Christian. She says, do I have to take my shoe off? I said, oh no, just put your foot up on the, on the chair and uh, can, I, can I put my hand on it? And she said, yeah, that's fine. So I put my hand on it and say, I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. She puts her foot down and the change in her face, as she said, the pain's gone. Wow. It's completely gone. And I kept quizzing her over the next few weeks, has it come back? No, it's gone. <laughs> Completely healed. She does say that she's not ready to convert. <laughs> but she says, <laughs> thank you, Carl, I should have used that. but she experienced the power of God and she's having to think about what that means. Now learning to keep, it, keep my eyes and your eyes on Jesus, the Jesus of the Gospels is a lifelong journey. However, as we do, as we keep our gaze on the beauty of the Jesus of the Gospels, we will learn to live in the power of the Jesus of the Gospels. Secondly, we want to keep our eyes on the Jesus of the cross. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the cross causes us to realize how wretched we are without Jesus. Now, we might think that the Jewish leaders and Pontius Pilate put Jesus on the cross, and they did. But they were only instruments of God's great plan for salvation. And the Bible teaches us that every sin committed from the time of Adam until the time of Christ's return put Jesus on the cross because he took the punishment for it all. Unfortunately, that means that every sin you and I commit helped put Jesus on the cross. And when we realize this, keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the cross will give us a hatred for sin. Because every sin we commit adds to the suffering Jesus endured. 
Now, the New Testament has several lists of what some of those sins could look like. If you include having sex out of, out of mar- outside of marriage, puts Jesus or increases Jesus' suffering on the cross. Getting drunk increases Jesus' suffering on the cross. Lying or stealing increases Jesus' suffering on the cross. Hatred for others or unforgiveness help put Jesus on the cross. Of course, these are symptoms of a deeper one, which is if we're living for ourselves instead of God, whenever we're doing that, we're putting Jesus on the cross. The good news is that he was willing to take it all so that we could receive forgiveness. Now, there's all sorts of things which can, be, can actually be uh, outworked where we're actually living for ourselves and standing for Jesus. One of the areas that I was, uh, time for another story. One of, the, one of the things that God's been working at with me, uh, or had been working at with me for a little while, was games on my cell phone. Now, if you have games on your cell phone, don't take what the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about as something that you have to follow, unless, of course, the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about that. But for whatever reason, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, has been talking to me for some time about saying, look, if you want to actually step into everything that that I've got for you, you need to delete the games on your phone. And I have been fighting that. I've been saying things like, is that really God? I mean, what harm can these games actually do? How will I actually survive without these games? None of you can relate to what I'm talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit starts talking about things. And so the, um, I really hope this works. The, um, the other, last night, at, uh, the last time we had collective pursuit, the Holy Spirit has just been convicting me stronger and stronger and I've been resisting and and in that collective pursuit I've been, God's been also telling me that he's got something more for me to actually step into. And that more comes out of obedience. And Mr. Soundman, we'll see whether this works or not. So I was there and I was, and I was, talking with God about this and putting up all my arguments and he's saying, look, Robert, if you want to step into what I got for you, you need to do this. And then John Scott comes up to me. Is that coming through? Hang on. We need a sound person. We all good? Is that coming through? Like a little, um, is it called plaque or something that actually builds up in the... Maybe. Like, yeah. you know, you get feeding sort of mm-hmm. built up on the, on the inside of the thing. And I just sense that about the actually a spiritual life that there can be sort of blockages that come. And I just really sense that, um, that you're going to have to be sort of like on the ball for actually, you know, like in a way changing your diet so that you don't have that build up in, in the arteries but in your spiritual arteries and you know that to to be aware of, of the, the, that things could cause blockages because I believe we'll, we'll, we'll stop it there 
right when I was arguing with God, did you think God was serious about what he wanted me to do? So what do you think I did next? I deleted all the games off my phone. Which happened to be the day before I prayed for my staff member's foot. You know, repentance is normal Christianity and sets us free from the power of the devil. It removes the permission we give the devil to play havoc in our lives and keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the cross will increase the purity around our lives of actually what it is to be a follower of Christ. Then there's the Jesus of heaven. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of heaven, I'm just... You know, we, we are in Christ. We are seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2 tells us. We are in Christ. We have a different view of the world because of that. Different view of circumstances. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of heaven, uh, gives, because of that we have new birth, new position, new authority, and a fresh perspective on our circumstances. We, we are able to start receiving an eternal perspective because we actually start seeing things through the eyes of heaven. We start viewing circumstances not as problems, but as opportunities. There's a situation at work a few weeks ago with one of our suppliers, and it had a dollar value cost to it. We were having a disagreement a disagreement to the point I was con- seriously considering getting lawyers involved. And uh, it cost about 15000 to us is what they were, was their position. I, uh, and they were disagreeing with their terms and conditions. And so from a, from a cost perspective for, for myself and for the moral perspective, I was pretty agitated, to be fair to the point where for two nights I lost a lot of sleep chewing over this whole thing. And then I remembered that word I had for the guy that Jesus promises us that his burden is, is easy and his, his joke is easy and his burden is light. I thought, God, what's happening here? So I started actually handing this back to Jesus and saying, Lord, something is completely out of alignment here because I am stressed like I haven't been stressed in a long time. And uh, as I started handing that to Jesus, back to Jesus, I just started to feel his peace come upon me. Do you know what? Nothing changed in the circumstances. We, we reached a point where we said, actually, our long-term relationship is... We're just going to have to suck this up to keep on moving forward with what we're doing. But everything changed in me. Everything changed in me. And I was able to actually uh, have peace about it. I was able to sleep again. I was able to say, look, God, 
even though nothing changes in this circumstance, I'm going to trust you that you're the God of justice and that you have a future for me and whatever goes through there, I know that you will sort it out. And whatever circumstances that you may be going through or go through, you have a God who has an eternal view and because you're in Christ, you're able to actually view that through the eyes of Christ, Look, gaze on the Jesus of eternity and get a different perspective about what you're going through and have hope for your future. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of eternity will shift our perspective. So keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the gospel will enable us to live in his power. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of the cross will enable us to live with his purity. Keeping our eyes on the Jesus of heaven will enable us to live with his perspective. Is that good news? Bam wants to come up. I'm going to do something a little bit different. This is me stepping out of the boat, real, real faith risk, faith step. As, as I've mentioned healing a number of times, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying to me this morning that, that God wants to do a bit of healing. So if you are sick or in pain or difficulty, today is a great time to be here. And so uh, what I felt God wanted us to do is that if you have the gift of healing or you would like to operate in the gift of healing is to ask God right now for a word of knowledge right now ask God for a word of knowledge of healing that he's wanting to do here and he will speak and as soon as you've got that word of knowledge or a sense that God's given you word, for so how this could work. Some of you will just have an impression, this is real faith stuff, that God wants you to say something, but you have no idea what it is. You need to respond to that. Others of you, you may uh, get a picture about what God wants to do, so you can use that. Others, you'll get a word of, of, of something he's wanting to do, and some others you may get, right now be experiencing pain where you didn't feel pain before. They're just some of the ways that the Holy Spirit could be dropping a word of knowledge into you about healing. So if that's you, I want you to come forward right now. Yep, come stand here because we're going to get you to share your word. And then we're going to get people to respond to the words. I've got a couple myself, but we'll... Yeah, good morning. Um, uh, the Thai team, they were up here this morning and uh, Steve was speaking and just sort of wrapping up. I had a vision uh, picture. I'll call it a vision. It sounds cooler. Um, my picture was that um, uh, when I was in the services, we would do four-wheel drive training. And part of the training was we would drive through very muddy and rutted out tracks. And one of the lessons was don't try and steer out of the rut because you'll just end up throwing your car all over the place and it gets very hard to operate a vehicle like that. So the trick was, when you're going from some one point to another point and there's a very deep rut, don't try and get out of the rut, stay in it. You might get dirty and it might get a little bumpy along the way, but you'll get to where you're going to and you won't have your, your vehicle all bashed around. So I guess the vision was about um, for the fears and the unknown, you might get a little bit scared and it might, be, it might even be very unknown to, to you. But um, if you stay in the rut, stay with the team, stay with God, 
um, I, I pictured him being holding this sort of Holy Spirit rut in the ground, and um, he, he'll guide you through that. There's, I don't have any doubt about that. Okay, so if, you're, if that speaks to you, uh, you can come up now as the band starts playing and actually get Carl to start ministering to you. Um, I was just sitting down and I actually got a picture of um, some rocks like in someone's heart and this gushing spring of God's river of life just burst out of it with such incredible power. It's like God wants to take the rocks in your heart and just turn it completely around and you'll become a spring of the water of life. So if that speaks to anyone. Yeah, so if that speaks to you, we can come and get ministered here. Hi, um, I saw a right shoulder and it looked like the kind of the tendons and ligaments had been sort of, dislo- I don't know if it was dislocated or yeah, something to do with your right shoulder and the ligaments and tendons. Awesome, so if that speaks to you, you can come forward right now and get, get ministered to. Um, yeah, I, um, I've um, sensed a whole lot of like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like a lot of people, their hearts and um, the pain through some blockages and that need to be healing, um, witnessing the um I don't know how to... Um, <laughs> okay, so, so if you're experiencing blockages in your heart, whether it's spiritual or physical, then come forward and get ministered to here. Two things. I get a daily um, version of the day email, and while Robert was preaching this morning, the verse came true, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Cool. And the other thing is that um, people here suffering from indigestion, reflux, um, digestion things okay so if that speaks to you you can come and uh, get Lynn to minister to you so the word is he who started the good work in you is faithful and just to complete that good work Um, I'm just old enough to remember when Mr. Burke was the pastor here uh, at St Albans Baptist Church in the 70s there were words that were spoken over the church then and since and there are people here who have had words spoken over them in their baptisms and and other times in the use that hasn't come to pass yet. That season is starting now. Those words will come to fruition. God is going to start working and releasing those words and we're gonna see those movements. But in healing, I really get the sense of backs. Um, There's people here with sore backs and God wants to heal them today. Awesome. So if that speaks to you, come and get Mr. Paul. There's two things that I had. Uh, one was the, um, I had a picture of a spine, and on the right hand of the spine, there was a red smudge. Now, I don't know what that means. I asked God for explanation. He wouldn't give it to me, but, but that may relate to you. And the second thing uh, he just quickened to me was the last verse that we read, which is uh, the disabled... Um, paths for your feet so that the disabled may be healed so uh, and obviously I've just recently prayed for someone whose foot got healed so I just had that sense that if if you've got pain or difficulty in walking or pain in your feet then uh, God wants to heal that as well now there could be any other thing that God wants to heal so don't 
feel that you've missed out and you can get someone to pray for you and lay healing, uh, uh, lay their hands on you for healing. But um, please respond if any of those words that have been shared are relevant for you. I'll hand back to Seb. Um, I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, let's let's crack on and let's worship God and, and respond in, in ministry, whether it's up here or to those around you. Just invite you to stand up as we join in for the last worship song. Nothing else, nothing else. 
nothing else will do I just want you nothing else nothing else nothing else will do I just want you nothing else Jesus nothing else will do Okay, guys, the cafe is open. The service is um, formally coming to an end, but feel free to stay. Stay in this place and get prayer, but also feel free to get a coffee, get a hot chocolate, have a chat. Have a blessed week, guys. Lovely to see you today. I just want to see